Marlon Segarol as an agency employee with being one of the best known freelancers in the world is an incredible balancing act. I know from experience as an agency owner how challenging it can be when team members also freelance. So this week I caught up with Tony Christensen to ask him how he pulled it off. Tony's area of focus is Facebook ads and while working for one of the US's most high profile agencies he's also very well known in his own right. We talk about this as well as Facebook ad strategies, how small businesses can make money go further and some simple tactics you can employ today to start winning big, whether as a freelancer or as an agency owner. Welcome to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget, you can also join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. Also, if you enjoy YouTube, then you can join me on YouTube. Just search Bob Gentle on YouTube and you'll find me easily. So welcome along and let's meet Tony. So this week, my guest is Tony Christensen from Tony Does Ads, which, again, is a slightly odd business name, but Tony wears many hats, and Tony will explain this himself. So, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here, Bob. <laughs> it's, I'm really excited to speak to you because I've been following you online for quite a long time, uh, and we've never actually had an opportunity to engage with each other outside of possibly the odd little bit of nonsensical banter online. So it's really nice to actually spend some time with you. Do you maybe want to start just by telling the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah, so I'm Tony Christensen. I've sort of built up my personal brand, uh, which goes by Tony Does Ads here. It's everywhere online. You can find me. Um, and yeah, I specialize in primarily Facebook and Instagram advertising for um, different e-commerce companies. Um, so I do kind of my own consulting and advising to various people that reach out to me, as well as I work full-time at a um, marketing agency called Now Marketing Group, um, which is kind of founded by Jessica Phillips, um, which is over in Ohio, but I am in uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. So uh, working from home most of the time. Um, with that work at the agency, it's it's full-time. They're kind of a full-service agency. Um, so I'm doing that full-time during the day. And then kind of when I get off work, I focus on um, other needs and people that might reach out to me for various consulting um, endeavors that might be advertising related. It might be uh, recently it's been more um, kind of conversion optimization for websites when it comes to the e-commerce side of things, um, as well as just helping people with copywriting and making sure their message kind of gets across in the right way. So there are lots of ways we could go with you and any regular <laughs> listeners will probably straight away have the question, but Bob usually has business owners on the show to have somebody that's full-time employed in a business that belongs to somebody else. He's never done that before. Um, and there's a very good reason for that because as you said, your personal brand is Tony's does ads. And to be honest, I know your name. Today's the first day I ever heard of the company you work for. And that's quite unique. Uh, was that something you've done quite consciously? Um, yeah, it kind of, well, well coming to my, my name, yes, it kind of was something that I was like, um, I needed to build my own personal brand. It was um, kind of back to years ago when I went to <clears throat> my first uh, social media marketing world and I really started to get into advertising and I just knew, you know, personal brands were kind of the future. 
So that's kind of where I started. I was like, I need to get on, you know, Twitter. I need to get on YouTube and all these different platforms and um, start getting people to know my name. And that's kind of um, how I created Tony Does Ads. And I uh, started working at different um, advertising agencies. And even the the ones that I started with were basically um, emphasizing and helping people with personal brands. So they encouraged it actually in a lot of ways, um, which was really cool. And um, yeah, I, I started, uh, ended up doing some contract work for uh, now marketing group, which is that agency that I'm at now. And um, things just kind of evolved and they ended up being like, do you want to just run all of our ads for us and just come on full time? And I was like, of course. So I ended up kind of jumping over there and uh, just uh, haven't stopped since. <laughs> I think somebody building a personal brand inside of another business, it is very unusual. And I'm somebody that I'm all in on personal brand. Today, I spent the whole day on a workshop with Chris Tucker. That's how invested I am on this. Oh, yeah. But I tell you, in all the people that were there, none of them were employees. They're all running their own business. Yeah. And I know that as somebody who ran a, a good-sized agency, none of my team would have stepped up to build their own personal brand. Um, they were all very keen to sort of to take rather than actually give of themselves into it. So it is very unusual. Yeah, and it's, um, it's kind of cool because I've, I've just seen uh, a lot with people that I talk to on Twitter as well. And a lot of the people I'm connected with are other advertisers or, you know, strategic marketers online. And what's really cool is it's almost like influencer marketing in a way where you build up your personal brand and people start to really love you for who you are. And then people get really excited when you announce like, hey, I'm, I'm going to this company now. And I think a lot of companies that I'm starting to see now are starting to kind of get that idea of we can bring, you know, people that already have really good personal brands. And now we kind of bring their spotlight on our brand even more, mm-hmm. um, which can kind of help the business in ways. But um, maybe we'll talk about that in the future, too. It also can detract, too. So it it's an interesting fine line in a lot of ways with personal brands. Um and working for an agency that you don't own, you know? I think from an employer's perspective, it probably is a double-edged sword. Yeah. But you would rather have your sword sharp on both sides, would be my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, from an employee's perspective, lots of value. From an employer's perspective, there should be lots of value there. So I think you're a fantastic role model. If there's anybody listening in an agency, working in somebody else's business, I guess it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You're running your own private business alongside the agency business. And again, that's something that's quite unusual. Do you maybe want to to talk about how you make that work? Yeah. And I think the biggest key with that is being upfront about it from the get go, you know, Um, and that's something where when I talked to Jessica about, you know, going to her agency, I was like, you know, she already knew I had my brand and I I told her that, you know, I have a brand, I have some clients even that I'm working with still. Um, how is this going to work? And that's that's a conversation that you should have up front. Um, there are other people out there that might not have that conversation. And they might try to hide work that they're doing. And I don't think that's ever um, really a good way to handle it because it's you're probably going to get found out. So don't ever do that. Um, there's there's a lot of risks in both and kind of both sides of doing that. And even um, I've seen you know agency owners that have someone that might have a personal brand and then they they steal clients and that kind of stuff. So um, it is sort of a interesting territory to handle. Um, I think as an agency owner and as, you know, the other side of it, you just, you really have to be upfront. You have to be transparent and you have to make sure um, that you both trust each other in a lot of ways because it is um, a lot of responsibility, I think, for 
both sides to be in that kind of relationship. Um, how I handle it, I basically have my, you know, my Tony Does Ads calendar. It starts pretty much um, when I get off work at Now Marketing Group. Um, it's very segmented. Um, so I get off work and then people can book calls with me after that. So basically I get off work at around 3 p.m. People can book me, basically it's at nights, which um, some people don't like that because they reach out to me, you know, from the UK and other places too. And I'm like, you know, it's not gonna work. Um, if you, you know, if I have to meet earlier, there are, you know, instances where I'll meet with people on Saturdays and things like that, which which kind of, you know, isn't the best sometimes, but um, it's just kind of the nature of it. Um, and there's things like this that um, might meld the two together, which is like I'm talking about my personal brand and I'm talking about non-marketing group as well. So I kind of, you know, I make sure that they know that I'm doing these sort of things and they're um, okay with it in a lot of instances because a lot of times I'm promoting their brand in a lot of ways too. Um, but yeah, it's something where you just, you have to be transparent um, up front. I think that's the best way to kind of handle it. I think that's one of the things with a personal brand as well as the more you invest in your personal brand, the more you are invested in the integrity of that brand. So if you yeah. tarnish that integrity through breaches of trust, that doesn't go away. That sticks with you forever. You can't dodge that because you've built this personal brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, um, Jessica's a speaker and, and that's I've heard of her from like she has a conference that she runs called um, Social Media Week Lima out in Ohio as well. So I've heard of her and her agency and things. And that's where I, I went to meet her actually at Social Media Marketing World because people were like, you know, you have to go to her conference. You have to meet her. And um, when I met her, we just both had kind of the similar um, mindset where it's, you know, um, it sounds crazy, but it's like the, you know, treat your <laughs> clients really well, you know, have good customer service. Um, and she's really big on relationship marketing and just focusing on that. And that's sort of the core of my personal brand is very much aligned with um, their agency as well. So it was a really good fit. Um, and yeah, that, that whole um, mindset of that is be transparent, you know, um, care for others and um, show up, you know, and really kind of go above and beyond for people that you are working for. So absolutely. And I think now marketing is a full service agency. They do all the traditional things and the digital things as well. Yes. But your focus is ads and particularly Facebook and Instagram ads. So yep. let's focus in on that a little bit. What does a typical client within Tony's Does Ads <laughs> look like for you? Because I guess it's different from a now marketing client. So let's yeah. start with the, the Tony Christensen client. Yeah, it's been something that's been evolving more lately. I'm someone that um, really follows my passion. So um, I've really been getting into kind of conversion rate optimization and, and copywriting. So when I learn more, I kind of share my ideas and then people hear about like, oh, you're really good at writing copy or this or that. So for me, I've had people um, more recently reach out about um, copywriting and just like, you know, I have an e-commerce website. What can I do to help my conversion rates? Um, so I'm kind of doing things like that and auditing. Um, different websites. Um, I help other agencies sometimes too that are getting into ads and they're wanting to figure out, you know, how do we start? As well as other founders and people that, you know, they might have an agency running their stuff and they might need someone to just dip into their account and see, is this look good? <laughs> is there um, things that we can improve on? Um, so it's sort of, it's sort of consulting in ways. It's advising um, and then just doing certain projects that might pop up. You know, um, if it might be like recently, I'm, I'm helping a lady um, rewrite some of her website copy too. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of the advertising related things are, um, I, you know, my brand, Tony does ads. I really prefer to work with e-commerce only. Um, it's just something that I've, I'm really familiar with. I like, um, sort of the bigger, um, spends, you know, of, of like, if you're spending $10,000 or more a month, just because a lot of those businesses, they've, they've figured out a lot of things already. Um, Whereas if, if you're newer, you know, or if you're a startup or something, you might still have to work on a lot of your messaging. Um, and that kind of particular client would be someone that's really uh, well suited for Now Marketing Group because um, they do do a lot of the, you know, let's figure out your brand voice. Let's figure out what your customer personas are. Um, and they, they work a lot on organic content as well. So sort of those clients are really good for Now Marketing Group. But if someone just wants advertising help, an insight, then that's something that's might be better for kind of my own Tony Does Ads brand. And within the whole conversion space, obviously you work in your practice mainly with e-commerce businesses, but you have much broader experience. I'm curious to know, in terms of conversion, do you find that there are some areas you immediately instinctively want to hone in on because you know that there's probably a little pot of gold in the corner there? Yeah, that's um, that's actually like one of the reasons um, why I really like Now Marketing Group is I, I, you know, like I've said a few times is they really focus on that kind of the start of figuring out what your brand voice is. Um, and that's sort of when it comes to ads, if I have someone that reaches out to me and they're like, you know, I'm just launching this company, can you help me out? I really don't even want to touch it because I know they're going to need a lot of work figuring out kind of that brand voice, what works, what resonates with people, um, their messaging. I can help with that, but it's just it's it's something that I'm not as passionate about, and Jessica and Now Marketing Group are. Um, so that's kind of the um, difference in ways. And um, I, sorry, I don't know if I answered that question very well. I guess where I'm coming from is on most websites that there are conversion problems or opportunities that you can exploit. And do you find that when you work with a new client, that there are some obvious things? that you know you can go and unpick and that will lead to a better conversion rate. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, um, I think lately it's been looking at, I've been looking at a lot of um, kind of website usability and figuring out how to make websites better. Um, and there's this book I've been reading that's that's called Don't Make Me Think. And I think that's mm. a really good mindset to have when you're looking at a website is your you have to have the mindset of kind of that first time website visitor. And I think a lot of businesses don't have that. You know, they want to talk about themselves they want to have their logo nice and big you know they want to say you know we've been in business for this many years and we do this and we do that and that's the main shift that I kind of like to tell people about and try to get their mindset um, more aligned with so you have to think about someone that's basically going to your website and has this kind of mindset of like okay who cares you know I don't care about your brand really what can you do for me is kind of the the person that you need to be talking to on your website so a lot of it is realigning kind of what a business says about themselves to what a customer is actually looking for and how you can position yourself to be that, you know, that solution for their problems. So showing that, um, you know, you've been there, you've, you can empathize with them. Um, and then showing that you are, you know, you have social proof, you have credibility, authority, um, you've been there before. So you kind of have that solution, um, that they don't have to worry about, you know, paying for. So it's sort of, having that mindset shift, which can be, it can be kind of an overhaul on copy in a lot of ways. Um, and then it's, it's focusing on, yeah, what is that conversion that you want, right? Do you want people to call you? Do you want people to download your lead generation item? 
um, do you want someone to buy? And then making sure that that kind of stands out on your website. Um, and it's very clear, you know, it's that, it's that button that's, you know, it pops from the website. Um, there's an audit I did just last night and the, you know, their main button was like a shop now button. And it was basically the same colors of everything else on the website. So yeah. you don't even really see it. And that's like, a, just a quick, easy thing. Like just make whatever you want them to do, be the apparent thing that you want them to do. Right. Um, so that's like the, the main thing. Um, and if it is something that's like, I, I would say another main thing that I see a lot too is when you're having blog posts and all the different pages on your website, think about what the call to action is, um, especially like on the bottom of pages. So that's another thing I see where they might have a blog post, um, the about us or whatever it might be, and then you get to the bottom and there's nothing there. Um, and that's kind of the thing that you wanna help people with too is kind of the what's next, what, do I, what should I do now, now that I just have this information. So there's like some quick things um, that a lot of people can do fairly fairly easily, just like add whatever it might be, related products, maybe if it's to the blog post, um, if it's about us, maybe just redirect them back to whatever those services are and learning more about those, you know. I love that. And I think that the don't make me think was really important because most people browse instinctively. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't think, they're not in an active thought process, they're browsing. Browsing is an unconscious process. And I recently installed Hotjar on my website and a few clients' websites. And it's incredible, actually, when you watch people <laughs> yeah. moving through your website, how you have these big moments where you slap your forehead and think, obviously, <laughs> why, why would you design it like this? Yeah. And it does make me reflect on how a lot of websites get built. Yeah. If you imagine the situation in the average small website agency, they've struggled to get through a project with a client. The project's usually been built by a few hipster 20-year-olds <laughs> yep, who yep. don't understand the business. And by the time that project is signed off by the client, they're done, hands washed, thank you very much, let's get yeah. paid, gone. Yeah. They're not looking at the site from a conversion perspective, they're looking at it from a get paid perspective. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's, it's crazy because I'm seeing a lot of similarities now with kind of how, I, how I've done ads with like, working with videographers, because I don't necessarily create the creative. I usually work with a, you know, a videographer or a creative team that can make the images and videos for what I need for ads. Um, and it's very similar to me working with a website designer um, or web development team with websites. So, you know, with creative, I'm, you know, there's people that, that are great at making videos and they might be great for like telling your brand story. You know, they might be great for movies, but that doesn't work for ads, you know. And similarly with websites, there's people that make really beautiful looking websites, but they might not convert at all or make any sense to a user. So it's sort of the, um, I'm seeing a lot of similarities and patterns in both of these things that I'm really just kind of diving into now a lot more um, is where like you have, you can have really skilled people at making videos, but they might not be very good at making videos that actually convert, you know, and that sell your products. Um, a good kind of mindset I like to talk about with videographers is, you know, a lot of people make, and a lot of brands do this too, and it's similar, again, to the website thing, is they want to have their logo show up first, you know, or on the website, they want to have their logo nice and big, where people don't really care about that. And when you're running ads, it's, it's I compare it a lot of times to people that buy tickets to movies, 
um, <laughs> to basically like a billboard on the highway. So a lot of businesses and videographers that I've worked with in the past are making these, you know, movies that they have seen before where people have paid money. They're sitting in the movie theater and you can have your logo show up nice and slow. You can have that slow intro. Whereas the reality of it, people on social media don't want to see ads at all. So you have to kind of treat it like a, you know, it's like a billboard where you're driving by at 60 miles per hour. They're not paying to see you at all. They're not invested in your brand at all. So you have to kind of show up in certain ways where you grab their attention really quick, you know, in like three seconds or less. Um, so you have to treat it a lot differently. Whereas with websites um, as well, it's, it's kind of similar where your, your, you know, your logo nice and huge in, in the header um, might distract from the actual call to action or the actual you know, need and solution that someone's looking for. So you have to kind of, again, have that don't make me think <laughs> attitude that um, yeah. new website visitors and um, people that are looking at your ads kind of have. I think there's something really interesting I saw with, you know, the Thrive themes, Thrive people. Mm -hmm. They have Thrive Architect, which is their equivalent of things like Beaver Builder and mm -hmm. Elementor, the, the sort of WordPress visual site builders. And they made a philosophical stance that they weren't going to provide an animated hero module because they said it doesn't work. They don't convert. Mm -hmm. They just distract. And so lots of people don't use the Thrive ecosystem for that purpose, for that reason. Yeah. But it was just very interesting, the stand that they would make on such a strong conversion point. Yeah, um, and that's... That's a crazy thing too, because like a lot of the you know a lot of the e-commerce people I, I I work with, they are using Shopify themes, and some of those Shopify themes aren't necessarily set up for conversions. Like they might have, you know, like one of the things I don't like to see, but a lot of websites have it, is a slider at the top that might have yeah. that call to action that then after a second or two it slides again, and I hate that because it's it's kind of an un, un, uh, an interruptive experience, you know, for someone that's going to your website, they're trying to search around for their solution, and then boom, you you put something else on them, and so it's just kind of like interruptive, and it can kind of distract why someone's going to your website. Um, so a lot of times those those can hurt conversion rates, um, where a lot of a lot of the really good conversion rate experts are going to say, you know, have one image there, and maybe it is your maybe you know instead of that slider, you maybe you stack those images kind of underneath each other. Um, and space them out more visually, but you still have that main focus right there that says shop our latest collection or whatever it might be. Um, and it's not something that's kind of sliding and changing people off, you know, um, ma making people kind of off guard with what they went to your website for. Yeah. I think something else I would like to ask you about is retargeting ads because I work with clients on low level ad stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that the way I often describe it to them is, if you're going to pay a pound or a dollar to get someone to your website, why would you not add the retargeting in and have them sort of roll around in your pinball machine for a while? And it always seems to get great results, but that's on a very small scale. I'm interested to understand how can that work on a large scale? Does that scale up? Yeah, um, I'm. that's like one of the, <laughs> the, the biggest places I like to start. Um, is the remarketing, and that's where some of these um, really small, you know, I hate to, I didn't say <laughs> take out small brands. Uh, some of these brands, you know, that are starting out or might have um, local budgets, I would say, or you know, small smaller businesses, um, it, the retargeting can be some of the most valuable ads that you can run. 
Um, and it, it depends on a lot of things like how much traffic you're actually having on your website. Um, if you don't have any, you kind of want to build your brand, then that's different. And you probably want those kind of top of funnel ads going that you're, you know, you're putting out that value. Um, but there's a few businesses that I'm helping um, right now that we're just doing remarketing ads because they do have smaller budgets and they don't want to spend a lot. Um, but we are doing, you know, highly targeted ads, bringing people back to the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when it works um, with e-commerce, they're spending more money. It's it's similar in a lot of ways where you're you're really not spending very much money in remarketing um, retargeting ads. Um, I typically do sort of uh, three different tiers. So you have top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. Um, just to break it down real quick. Top of funnels, basically, I'm targeting you know lookalike audiences, so people that share characteristics of your most valuable audience that you might have, which might be like a purchasers list or recent purchasers or something. Um, and I might do like interest-based audience. So you know if you're selling, um, I don't, I can't even give you a great example right now, but interest-based. So like if it's if it's fashion, maybe you're targeting Michael Kors or whatever it might be as a random example. Um, so that's at the top. You know, you're targeting these businesses. You're trying to, uh, or people, and you're trying to give them value um, and bring them down. And then the next level I typically do is um, engagers. So people that are going to your website, um, interacting with you online, watching your videos, that kind of thing. And then the bottom, those main remarketing ads that I do are dynamic product ads, and they're just so valuable because it's basically the ones that are showing you the same product that you just looked at. Um, back on Facebook and it's where some people are like, oh, Facebook's kind of creepy or whatever. Um, but it, I mean, they work and they work really well. Um, but in terms of where the budget's split, you know, the top of funnel, I might be spending 70% of the budget there. And then I'm kind of trickling down maybe um, 20% at the middle and then 10% or so at the bottom. So you're not spending a lot at that bottom, but that is kind of the um, the ads that do clean up those sales of people that might have get distracted, you know, on their phones. Um, I just heard like a great example, like, you know, you could be on your phone and you might have like your dog run into something and spill something over, you know, so then you're, 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 you're leaving the, the website or whatever it might be, you know, or someone shows up at your door or whatever it might be. So people get distracted a lot, um, especially on, you know, on their mobile phones. Um, it's just kind of the way people are now. So it's great to have those kind of remarketing ads that kind of reminds them to come back um, and finish their order. And sometimes you might need to nudge them um, and give them like a discount, free shipping or something too. Sometimes that works um, as well. But a lot of times just reminding them again to come back and shop works works well. I think it's important for me to just push the pause button for a second here and encourage anybody that's yeah. listening to go back and listen to that again. Because what you just had there was a masterclass in a very, very crystallized form <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on how you should run ads. Because what you said was that you're not spending you're spending all the 70% of the money in the top of the funnel and the top yeah that's where most businesses are spending 100% of their money by spending that yeah. additional 30% on building that remarketing mix that's where you're doing all the selling yep exactly so yep the majority of businesses in my opinion that are dabbling in facebook ads they're not doing the remarketing element 30% more money 100% of your sales yeah, and if if you have really good ads, like you can get um, <clears throat> pretty good sales numbers from uh, the top of funnel too. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, the middle and bottom is where you really kind of clean up. Um, and yeah, you don't have to spend as much because you know at the top you're you're basically funneling people down. That's why I call it a funnel, right? So at the top, you know, you're hitting all of these people that are kind of you know that same interest group. You're providing them value, you know, make them happy, whatever you might be doing, uh, make them start to like your brand. 
And then maybe at the middle, it's more like, here's what we offer now. Here's what makes us different. Those kind of things, um, reviews, testimonials. Um, and then, yeah, at the bottom, it's just great to be like, here's that product that you did look at that you were shopping on our website for. Um, so because the audience at the top is this huge bucket of people that you're targeting, and then at the middle, it's just remarketing to those people that started to engage with your brand, um, might have went to your website. Um, that's why it's a smaller budget. And then again, at the very bottom, it's just those people that looked at specific products um, and then showing them ads for those. So that's why, you know, if you split it up evenly, you'd be sending, you'd be showing those people at the very bottom like tons of ads, and they would get too tired of them. So that's kind of why you split it up mm. that way. And then you can focus a lot at the top on you know acquiring new customers, which is, can become really valuable for brands. You know, so for any one client, and there's not going to be a simple answer to answer for this, <laughs> but. And with a typical client, how many ads are you running at any one time at each point of the funnel? Um, that is a great question. So the bottom of the funnel will be the easiest one to explain. So I'll start there. <laughs> um, yeah, so bottom, since it's those dynamic um, product ads is what they're called, I typically might run two. I might even run one depending on how well it performs. Um so, and it depends, yeah, like you said, it depends on budget a lot of times too, because basically at the bottom, if your budget is bigger, I can basically say, you know, let's do a dynamic product ad to people that have went to the website in the last three days and looked at products, right? And then if it's still big, I can say, now let's segment out, you know, the next people from like three to seven days and show them another ad. And then from, you know, eight to 14 days, I'll show them another ad. And maybe you're having like a, um, sometimes you might taper off um, different discounts and things. So, you know, if at first you're reminding them to buy your product and they don't buy, then maybe the next time you're like, well, what, how about free shipping now? And kind of trying to reel them back in. And the next time maybe it's like, how about, you know, buy one, get one free, you're 20% off now. Um, so depending on the budget, I might have, you know, one to three ads, maybe a little bit more. Um, like like I said, yeah, it, it, it depends on so many things. Um, and the top, yeah, it can it can range really in a lot of ways. So for example, if you're spending, you know, 10 bucks a day or something, ideally you're running ads for what's called conversions. So, you know, you're optimizing for someone to do something on your website. It might be purchase, it might be sign up for your lead generation offer, whatever it might be. So if you have, you know, a smaller budget at the top, and you're running, you know, 10 ads, it can't, Facebook doesn't have enough, enough information um, per week to really optimize for the results. So if you have a smaller budget, you have to be running a lot less ads. Um, but I still like to test most of the time. So I might test audiences, um, or I might test, you know, the same audience and have a few different ads in that. Uh, but it can really range in a lot of ways. So I mean, I've done um, for a typical, typical is like not even a <laughs> term really, but um, for the smaller businesses, you know, it might be, let's say, um, five ads or so at the top of the funnel. At the middle, maybe it's two ads. At the bottom, maybe it's one or two. Uh, for the bigger businesses that are spending, you know, um, 10,000, 25,000 or more a month, um, it could be hundreds of ads that you're running. Um, Facebook now, though, is changing to be more, um, where they're optimizing a lot better for you. So they're actually kind of preferring you to use less audiences that are slightly bigger than what they used to be. Like if it was one or two years ago, I'd be splitting up uh, audiences a lot more out um, and seg segment segmenting them more and having way more ads. But now they kind of want you to have bigger audiences so they can kind of rely on, the rely on their AI 
to optimize for the results. Mm -hmm. So it's a very long <laughs> answer to your question, but yeah, I, I would say um, anywhere from five to hundreds of ads <laughs> per clients, typically. <laughs> I think, well, it wasn't actually a long answer compared to where you could have gone with it. It was yeah. as concise as you could sensibly be. Uh, and yeah, gold exactly. for anyone that cares. So yeah, that that's a really good masterclass on Facebook ads. And I think an important lesson there is there's no right or wrong. It's important to experiment and try things out, but to not yep. leave all that money on the table by not having the retargeting ads there is, it just makes me sad. Yeah, I would say if you're going to do any ads, at, like it better be remarketing, retargeting ads, um, like bare minimum. Um, just because then, it, again, it does depend, though, if you don't have any traffic to your website whatsoever, if you don't have any sort of social media engagement, then okay, work on your top of funnel. But primarily, I would say focus on the remarketing ads because those are, that's the low-hanging fruit, really, yeah. right? So those are the people that already know about you. They already sort of have been looking at your website or interacting with you. So you've already built up that trust a little bit more with those people. So it's going to be a lot easier um, to kind of get them to buy. So for anybody that's listening, doesn't know what we're talking about. Remarketing ads are remarketing, advertising to people who visited your website. And that's delivered through tracking the visitors to your website on Google, through the Google tracking code and on Facebook through the Facebook tracking pixel. And the reason I go through all that little ramble is to ask the question. I know on Google, there's a minimum audience size that you have to accrue. Does that also apply on Facebook? Um, it Yeah, it kind of depends on what your... Um, specifically asking, I guess, yeah, um, if you're, let's say you want to remarket to like your email list, it has to be um, a minimum of 100 people. So if you have a list of 50 people, you, that won't work at all. Um, in terms of targeting actual audiences, um, like say you're doing a cold audience that you're trying to target and you're, you know, saying, you know, within 10 miles of this business or whatever, um, it's better to have more people in that audience that you're targeting. I'm not sure. I, I think Facebook does limit it. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that number is. Where I was coming um, from, like let's say if you want to do where I was coming yeah. from specifically was the website visitors retargeting them. Um, no, yeah, they'll they'll run those ads um, pretty much with whatever number that you have. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're going to. I mean, the minimum spend you can do per day is going to be a dollar. So if you don't have, if you have ten people you know, a day going to your website, maybe your product is worth a lot of money. So it's okay to run those ads. But yeah, I would, I would recommend kind of doing them it once you kind of built up more visitors. So like, um, it kind of, yeah, it, it depends in a lot of ways, but primarily they don't typically, I don't, I don't know of a number off the top of my head that they'll say, you know, we're not going to run these for you. If there's people like onto your website, they'll typically show them those ads. Um, but if there are a smaller audience like that, like maybe it is, 50 people or something that you're sending those ads to, they're typically going to cost a lot more. Um, it's just how they do it. The smaller the audience, the more the cost is just because it is more yeah. targeted. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. So ideally, yeah, have more people um, <laughs> going to your website first. And that's where that kind of the top of funnel and the middle of funnel might help out more, you know, to really start promoting, um, getting traffic to your website. I think the reason I ask is obviously entirely selfish is I have some clients that have very, very specific sort of niche engineering businesses and their websites are very quiet for very good reasons. Yeah. Um, there's only a few people in the world that would be actually interested in their business, but they're very mm -hmm. high value. Running remarketing ads for them yes. on Google is a problem. Whereas from what you're describing on Facebook, that could be perfectly valuable. 
Yeah, and one of the things you might be able to do um, in that case too is just make that time frame a little bit longer. So, you know, if it's a really busy website, I could do a remarketing to like seven day visitors. Sometimes I've done like one day, three day. Um, if it is a smaller business, it might be more like 60 day, 90 day, 180 day visitors. So, you know, someone that's, you know, um, been to the website, you know, two months ago or something, for example, um, just know when you do do that, that um, they might not recollect going to your website. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind as well. But that can help kind of make that audience size a little bit bigger, um, which can help out. So I guess one of the things we started talking about was the Tony Christensen, Tony Does Ads personal brand. And personal brands don't happen by accident. They need to be built intelligently and deliberately. So I'm curious to know what does your personal brand ecosystem look like? And how did you go about that? That is a great question. It's It's been a, a evolving um, work in progress, I would say, as well. Um, it kind of started with, um, I would say, kind of started on more like YouTube. Um, and now I'm going a lot more to Twitter um, in terms of kind of products and services. Um, it was helping people do kind of like retainer work where it is managing bigger client accounts. And now it's shifted more to doing more consulting, advising, um, so meeting with someone and um, there's a lot of people that reach out to me and they just want to figure out how to start um, as well as like how to set up their structure of that funnel that I kind of talked about too. So that's another thing that I can do mm. um, quite a bit. And then more recently, like I've said, I've been getting more into kind of the conversion rate optimization. So that's something that I've been kind of toying with a lot more at um, Now Marketing Group with some of those um, businesses that we're helping out. So making tweaks there. But then again, it kind of can bleed out into my, um, you know, my own personal brand. And, and now I'm, you know, um, talking with other people that have websites and e-commerce um, businesses that might I might be able to find, you know, your button here is a little a little weirder or, uh, you know, you're using too much brand lingo and people don't know what that means. Um, and kind of offering that as a as a consulting kind of service to people. One of the things that we were speaking about before we came on air was Twitter. I was asking you which was your favorite social media platform. And you mentioned Facebook, you mentioned YouTube. I asked you what yeah. your favorite was and you said Twitter, which right now for a lot of people might sound like an unusual choice. Tell me yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, so Twitter, I'm finding um, it is the best to really quickly network with, um, for me, it's all sorts of uh you know, media buyers out there so I can find out what's working, wherever those people are, what, what they've tested and what's worked. Um, it's great too with media buyers as well because I can find different bugs and issues that people are dealing with. And some of them might be able to reach out to a Facebook rep before I can so they can get information faster. So it sort of keeps a really good pulse on the whole advertising industry in a lot of ways. Um, there's some really interesting brands and, and personal brands out there that you know, talk about research that they're doing, um, things that they're seeing kind of with the industry as a whole, which is really interesting, um, especially with like all of the COVID shutdowns that were happening. You know, we could track and have businesses that, you know, a lot of these guys do surveys with a lot of us as well. So you can get data on kind of how people are feeling about the industry and what's actually happening um, kind of with aggregated data, which is really cool too. So we could see, you know, our costs are really low or our costs are rising now steadily. Um, so it's really interesting for that kind of stuff. 
as well as the other side of it too, the client side, there's a lot of the kind of um, direct-to-consumer business e-commerce clients, uh, owners out there that are on Twitter talking about um, getting funded or whatever it might be uh, for their business, but then starting to want to learn more about ads. So they look for advertisers that are posting you know, uh, relevant information out there. And then you can have people kind of reach out to you for consulting and different work opportunities. So it's it's just really good for kind of the pulse for um, future work, um, as well as just, you know, the latest news and things that are, that are going on in the advertising world. I think I was off Twitter for a long, long time. And recently I started getting back into it because I called most of the people I was following. And that's called as with a C U, not killed. That would be mean. <laughs> But it has made it a much more useful and enjoyable place to be because I'm not exposed to the level of noise that used to be a real problem on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's definitely a lot of noise mm-hmm. <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you have a bigger list, I would, or uh, you know, a big uh, following uh, or followers list, I would say, yeah, uh, take advantage of Twitter lists. Um, I've just kind of done that recently, and the more that I'm kind of getting into um, conversion rate optimization, I'm starting to find people that you know, really live in that world. And I can build lists of those people, you know, and then see what those people are talking about mm. today um, and reach out to them. And I've really been like, my tactic lately has been seeing like really um, interesting things that people are writing, really great mindsets to have or stats or whatever it might be. Um, or some people just give feedback freely, you know. So I had one guy I found that was basically like, post your website below, I'll give you feedback. So that's how I really started to get into conversion rate optimization, I just read his whole thread and was like, wow, this is really good. So I'm, one of my tactics now is like finding those people that are like incredible and then being like, how did you learn? What book do you recommend? All that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how I really started to dive into it a lot more um, now in terms of conversion rate optimization is just finding, how did you learn this information and how can I learn it? Um, which Twitter has been just instrumental in helping me figure that out. <laughs> I can see that. And certainly I think I can see a whole new level of usefulness for it. Now we've been running the podcast for a while in terms of the way that I can connect with people that you just can't on other platforms. Yeah. So anybody listening to this, that there are going to be two kinds of people. There are going to be those who are busy working in a day job and there are going to be those who are running their own business. And I think for many, you should be the poster boy for the employee that's running a side gig. And there are two questions I have to ask you. And you're I would fully expect you to answer diplomatically. That would be the word. So the, f- the first one is, you've been running your side business for a while. You're very competent. You're very skilled. You're in demand because you have a strong personal brand. Which pays you better, the day job or the side gig? <laughs> um, currently, the, uh, the day job does. Um I think the side gig could um, if I wanted to invest more time into it. Um, but it kind of, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I'm kind of having a house built currently. Um, and I've just recently kind of moved down to Arizona. So I'm just getting um, a lot of family time in right now. Um, so it's it's been a balance of do I want to make more money on the side job um, and not have time, you know, as much time with my family or going out and seeing, not really going out, but going and seeing my house, you know, in the progress of getting done there. Um, or investing more into the into kind of the side business and getting that going more. Um, so yeah, currently it's the it's the day job. <laughs> and you kind of led me on to the other question, which was, and I think Jessica now marketing. It sounds to me that like you're aligned and connected to that business in a way that many employees aren't. Uh, 
So there's that going on on the yeah. side. So my question is, would you ever want to run your own business? Or are you quite happy having this dual role? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've definitely, de you know, thought about it um, in a lot of ways. The kind of the previous agency I was at, I wasn't happy. So that's where I started to get these other clients. And that was an agency too, that they didn't really care as long as they, you know, don't take our clients kind of mindset. Don't um, dabble in our niche, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've played with it there. Um, it is something that I have thought about, um, maybe in the future, but, um, like I, I've really liked going to now marketing group because they've just, they've been a really solid brand for me to be able to go into, um, have a, have a nice impact and they, you know, they work with great people. They're doing incredible work. Um, so I'm, I'm liking the job that I have now. I'm kind of content where I'm at now. Um, will it change in however many years, um, <laughs> it could, very well um it's just kind of I'm, I'm taking it in stride right now you know what i love about that answer is because you've invested in your personal brand what it has allowed you to do is stand out and be attractive to those businesses that you're aligned with you have options you have choices which people who haven't built their personal brand probably wouldn't the truth is if you hadn't invested in tony does ads you probably wouldn't be at now marketing is that fair to say yeah yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah, and I think that's um, kind of the beauty in it in a lot of ways. Like the more that you can kind of show what you stand for and when you meet, you know, like someone like Jessica that has the exact same values, like they have a kind of a brand manifesto that says, you know, this is the kind of people we are and what we do for our clients and how we go above and beyond. And I was like, this is everything that I live for. <laughs> so this is perfect. So yeah, it really worked out. And that's where um, I haven't thought about leaving at all, really, just because it seems like it's the place to be um, because it is in such alignment. Um, you know, I've reached out to her recent, like as, as recent as this week. And I was like, you know, I'm really getting into conversion rate optimization. Can I start doing it for our clients? And she's someone that says, yes, like, let's do it. Um, so that's really cool, too. If she was someone that was like, no, you know, just do ads, you know, um, just do this or, you know, do the stuff that you don't want to do that might be different, you know, and then I might want to um, go out on my own, but they are an agency that's really um, just really focused on helping people and then um, really just treating their employees right. So I haven't had that, you know, I need to get out of here now feeling at all, really. Um, it's just work that I'm passionate about. So I'm really enjoying it. Well, I love that answer. It was a brilliant answer. And I'm glad you were, you've been really, really generous with your knowledge throughout everything, talking about ads, building the personal brand and, and being this, ambassador for the dual entrepreneur on the one hand and employee on the other i think it's really really interesting yeah so yeah and it's oh, it, go on oh, go, go on <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say it's 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 an interesting thing too um because it's one of those things where now it's kind of neat because i can have stability with the daytime job and my you know side hustle tony does ads now too can i can kind of position myself as not having as much time and i can be more picky right whereas if i was doing it all on my own i might get into a situation where it's like i need money i will get this client you know um because it is money and it's not something that i might be aligned with or want to do um and that's one of the the cool things with my situation now is i have a steady reliable income from the day job um, and then I can kind of use uh, my limited time and kind of my position to to be a little bit more picky 
and look for just the work that I want to do. And kind of um, what I what I like to do, though, is still not say, like, I'm not going to help you, but try to find other people that might be better fits, you yeah. know, um, for that brand, what they are aligned with. Tony, I'm looking at the time. We should probably bring things to a close soon. Yeah. But I have one question left to ask you. It's the one that I have been really good with remembering recently. And what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? I think the main thing is, and I've mentioned it a lot here, I think already, is um, just following your, your passion, you know. Um, I think before, you know, five years ago, I, I don't I don't want to do the math, but I, I think I was, no, it was a while ago, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say follow your passion, you know, before, kind of what I was going to say is I, you know, went to a college and wanted to get a job that had a, you know, a, a great title at a great company. And um, that it's changed a lot where I don't care as much about um, income in, in a lot of ways. And it's more about let's wake up and be excited about who we're helping and the work that we're doing. Um, so I really just would say I would tell myself back then, like, just do what you want to do and be passionate about it. And that's kind of what I've done now with um, sort of getting into conversion rate optimization with ads. I've just dove into it head on and really um, into like a deep rabbit hole in a lot of ways of just like learning everything I can and really nerding out about it. And um, it, it helps you, you know, it helps your personal brand too, because people see that passion and it kind of leaks through in a lot of ways and it can help kind of position yourself to be that expert. So just follow your passion and, and do it a hundred percent. Really. Absolutely. I'm waving a flag. That's an awesome answer. <laughs> and if people want to take things further with you, if they want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, so my um, website's uh, TonyDoesAds.com, so that's a great place to reach out to me. Um, I'm also just everywhere online, but primarily on Twitter at TonyDoesAds, uh, but everywhere else at TonyDoesAds as well. Perfect. Tony Christensen from Tony Does Ads. thank you so much for your time. You've been a great guest. I can't wait, hopefully, to meet you in person if I can make it over to social media marketing world sometime soon. Yeah, Bob, thanks so much for having me. And um, yeah, I know we, we covered so much here. So if anyone has questions, feel free to just reach out to me on any of those platforms and I'll be sure to answer them, provide clarity there too. <laughs> a lot of the time when I speak to my audience, I assume you're a business owner. Today, I want to speak to employees and say this. If you're freelancing, talk to your business owner and ask them how you can make this a win-win situation. If you don't, then eventually the hammer will fall. And if you do, then you might find you get to play much bigger like Tony has. If you're the employer who resists or resents freelancing, then I feel you and I was you, but try this. Make it clear to your team you value loyalty over everything, but that you also want to foster entrepreneurial skills. Make it clear that competing is not allowed, but the carving out a niche and claiming that as your own is. Raise your people up, and they might raise you up with them. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes or just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do, then message me. Let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then again, I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and I don't underestimate that. It really does mean a lot to me, and it's also the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Tony for giving us his time this week, and to you for listening, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>